Okay, guys, so he's saying that they've tested over 5,000 people in Northern California, and the findings are those who are infected is no more than the rate of the flu. Now, I'm going to cut away here to an actual group of white blood cells that are devouring bacteria. These little black things are bacteria. Dr. Nick Delgado coming to you live about a reply of Dan Erickson, MD, and his wisdom about what's really going on with these viruses and how we coexist. What I've been saying all along, let's hear to a world-class emergency medicine doctor having tested over 5,000 people in Northern California, one of the hotbeds. Let's go cut right to it. I don't want to delay. And I've got some amazing information about medical journal findings about how much viruses and bacteria you breathe in indoors versus outdoors, whether the door should be, window should be left open occasionally that let in fresh air. Where are you getting exposed the most? And what do you need to do about COVID-19? Here we go, guys. We're going right into it is when I talk to ER physicians around the country, what's happening? Well, because COVID has become the focus, people with heart disease, people with cancer, hypertension, and various things that are critical are choosing not to come in based on fear. So what that's doing is causing the health system to focus on COVID and not focus on a myriad of other things that are critical because we don't have the staff there and major, the major component is fear. People are saying, I don't want to go get seen by my doctor. What if I get the COVID? So uh, there is a a lot of secondary effects to COVID that aren't being talked about. And so we'd like to kind of look at how how we responded as a nation and why we responded. Our first initial response two months ago was a little bit of fear. We decided to shut down travel uh, to and from China. These are good ideas when you don't have any facts. We decided to keep people at home and isolate them even though everything we've studied about quarantine, typically you quarantine the sick. When someone has measles, you quarantine them. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So some of these things um, from what we've studied from immunology and microbiology aren't really meshing with what we know as people of scientific minds that read this stuff every day. So that's kind of how we started. We don't know what's going on. We see this new virus. How should we respond? So we did that initially. And over the last couple months, we've gained a lot of data. Uh, Typically in Kern County, for instance, we've tested 5,213 people. And we have 340 positive COVID cases. Well, that's 6.5% of the population, which would indicate that there is a widespread viral infection similar to flu okay guys so he's saying that they've tested over 5,000 people in northern california and the findings are those who are infected is no more than the rate of the flu now i'm going to cut away here to an actual group of white blood cells that are devouring bacteria these little black things are bacteria these little black things moving around the smaller little dots are 
lysosomes, the most powerful digestive juices in the body, and they're eating away at viruses and bacteria. Your body has an amazing immune system. And what I'm going to suggest to you as you listen to Dr. Dan Erickson and you listen to me, and that is that the human body requires being exposed. Imagine there's 10 babies and they're put in a bubble and they're kept in an enclosed area for their whole life. And then you let them outdoors And what will happen? They have no immunity, no protection. Now imagine 10 other babies not being raised in a bubble and cleaning down everything every five minutes and washing hands and everything. And they're birthed through the birth canal instead of being C-section. And their breastfeeding and breast milk has colostrum and the immunities of the mother pass to the baby and the baby gets infected gets a cold or a flu and overcomes it maybe gets the measles the mumps and over the course of time this baby these 10 babies grow up to adults and they have a very strong immune system now i know for a fact and there's not a doctor who could ever debate this the other 10 kids who, if they were kept in isolation their entire life, kept away from microbes, viruses, bacteria, not exposed to um, various other individuals and so forth, they would have a weak immune system. How could that be? Your body depends on being exposed to good and bad viruses, good and bad bacteria. Your body learns how to defend itself, not in an isolated situation. So now let's pay attention to Dr. Dan Henderson, world-class emergency medicine guy who's probably tested more people in, in the United States individually to give us some very, very valuable feedback. Let's go on. We, we think it's, it's kind of ubiquitous throughout California. We're going to go over those numbers a little bit to kind of help you see how widespread COVID is and see how we should be responding to it based on its, its prevalence uh, throughout society, or it's the existence of the cases that we already know about. So if we look at California, these numbers are from yesterday. We have 33,865 COVID cases out of a total of 280,900 total tested. That's 12% of Californians were positive for COVID. So we don't, the initial, as you guys know, the initial models were, were woefully inaccurate. They predicted millions of cases of death, not of, not of prevalence or incidence, but death. That is not materializing. What is materializing in the state of California? Okay, so he made it very clear. They predicted millions of deaths throughout the world and even in California, and it didn't materialize. It didn't even come close. Let's thousands and then you'll see the numbers listen very closely is 12 percent positives well if we we have 39.5 million people if we just take a basic calculation and extrapolate that out that equates to about 4.7 million cases throughout the state of california which means this thing is widespread that's the good news we've seen 1227 deaths in the state of california with a possible uh, incidence or prevalence of 4.7 million. That means you have a 0.03 chance of dying from COVID-19 in the state of California. 1,227 deaths. Only, and I say only, and I emphasize, these individuals who did die, 1,227 people, they have clearly 
a pre-existing or a weakened immune system. And in fact, you'll go on to hear that the death certificates are being signed and inclusive of other conditions that caused death, not just COVID-19. So what we're hearing is people are being infected at a very high rate, but the death rate is extremely low, under a 0.7. So point here, let's, let's get his exact numbers. Let's be clear about that. Okay, here we go. 0.03 chance of dying from COVID in the state of California. Is that... 0.03 chance of dying in California. Now he's going to summarize what he has to say about that. Let's, let's jump right back in. Does that necessitate sheltering in place? Does that necessitate shutting down medical systems? Does that necessitate people being out of work? <clears throat> so that's, that's California. And that's, uh, I also wanted to mention that 96% of people in California who get COVID recover with almost no significant sequelae or no significant uh, continuing medical problems. So that's, that, those are important statistics for the state of California. 96% recover. 3% have lingering illness. Let's go and or morbidity. Two Let's months go. ago, we didn't know this. So I'm going to bring it to light now because we've, we're, we're sharing our own data. This isn't data filtered through someone. This is our own data. We found 6.5%, and then California has found 12%. So the more you test, the more positives you get. The, the prevalence number goes up, and the death rate stays the same. So it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And as we move through this data, what I want you to see is millions of cases, small amount of death. Millions of cases, small amount of death. And you will see that in every state. And, if we, and since we, we're talking about following the science, we're going to follow the statistics and follow the science. So I want to look at New York State. They've been in the news a lot, right? And their, their numbers are critical. Let's go over their numbers. Cases of COVID as of yesterday, 256,272 cases in New York State. Not New York City, New York, the entire state. We did a total of 649,325 tests. That's 39% of New Yorkers tested positive for COVID-19. That's their ratios. This is public data online. You can all look it up. 39% of people were tested. 39% of the people were tested. Not 39% of New York State. Right. New York State, if there's 20 million people there, would be close to, you know, 4 million. Which is likely, they likely have 7.5 million cases in New York. I just want to make that clarification. Yeah. 39 percent of every New Yorker is every New Yorker who's been tested. Right. So we extrapolate okay. data. I just, yeah, yeah, I just want to make that. We extrapolate data. We test people, and then we extrapolate for the entire community based on the numbers. The initial models were so inaccurate. They're but not even. That, but in those initial models, a lot of them were based off if we did no social distancing. Right. Is that correct? So is it really a fair to say? Obviously, they're not as bad as they were because those were based on alternative scenarios. And some of them were were based on social distancing and still predicted hundreds of thousands of deaths, which has been inaccurate. So in New York, they the ones they tested, they found 39% positive. So if that's indicative, and they tested 649,000 people, that's a massive test. That's accurate data, 39%. So if they tested the whole state, would we indeed have 7.5 million cases? We don't know. We will never test the entire state. So we extrapolate out. We use the data we have, 
because it's the most accurate we have versus a predictive model that have been nowhere in the ballpark of accurate. So they, how many deaths do they have? 19,410 out of 19 million people, which is a 0.1% chance of dying from COVID in the state of New York. And they have a 92% recovery rate. If you are indeed diagnosed with COVID-19, 92% of you will recover. So we're seeing millions of cases, small amount of death. Millions of cases, small amount of death. And the reason I'm making that point is because we're going to compare this to flu and say, is this significantly different from influenza A and B? And if not, why has our response been what it is? Millions of cases, small amount of death. Millions of cases tested who developed COVID-19 based on testing, which, by the way, there's some flaws in the testing, but okay, but very few deaths. This is great news, guys, but it also means we need to pay attention. We need to understand how to get to the core of the issue. How do we take the immune system, this incredible immune system, God-given immune system, these are white blood cells eating away at bacteria, these little little kind of, they look like, uh, we call them toxic rods. There are various types of bacillus and various types of E. coli and salmonella and uh, pneumonia, streptococcus, and so forth. So I've been studying for 43 years. Dr. Dan um, Erickson has been in the field for over 23 years studying the immune system. You know, collectively, I'm telling you, you need to understand more than the press is scaring you about. You need to understand, most importantly, what to do to build up the immune system. He doesn't get into it too much, but he alludes to it. So let's get back to this. USA, this is, this is a big one for us. Um, 802,590 cases as of yesterday. We've tested over 4 million. If you guys have studied globally what's happening, that's double what any other country. Germany's at two. I, I realize their populations are lower, but the fact that we were able to ramp up and do four million is pretty impressive, which gives us a 19.6% positive out of those who were tested for COVID-19. So if, if, if this is a typical extrapolation, 328 million people times 19.6 is 64 million. That's a significant amount of people with COVID. It's similar to the flu. If you study the numbers in 2017 and 2018, we had 50 to 60 million with the flu. And we had, uh, we had a similar death rate. In the deaths in the United States were 43,545, similar to the flu of 2017, 2018. We, had, we always have between 37 and 60,000 deaths in the United States every single year. No pandemic talk, no shelter in place, no shutting down of businesses, no sending doctors home. That's from the flu, by the way, just to clarify. Yeah. 37,000 and 60,000 flu deaths every year, every year per the CDC. Due to flu. Due to flu okay. in the United States. Some years, it's even as low as 20,000 some year. In 2017, 2018, it was 45 to 50,000, depending on who you read. And we don't necessarily report all of our flu tests. We do thousands of flu tests every year. We don't report everyone because the flu is ubiquitous. And to that note, we have a flu vaccine. How many people even get the flu vaccine? The flu is dangerous. It kills people. So just because you have a vaccine, doesn't mean it's going to be everywhere. And it doesn't mean everyone's going to take it because we see every year that we have a vaccine and I would say probably 50% of the public doesn't even want it. 
So just because you have a vaccine, unless you force it on the public, doesn't mean they're going to take it. Okay, so guys, let's be very clear here. He's making it a clear comparison to the number of people who are at risk, who develop the disease condition, who actually decide not to have a flu vaccine. I would be one of them. I wouldn't do a flu vaccine. And what we understand is that we can focus now more on getting back to society. Let's, let's hear his summary statements, and I think you'll agree. Let's go. And by the way, it's April 25th, so we're right in the midst of where we're still all isolated, at least in California, Florida, and other states that I'm aware of. Um, I want to compare the U.S. to Spain, because Spain is number two uh, in the race for the most cases, which is not a race we want to win. They had 204,178 cases in Spain, 930,000 total tests. So we did 4 million, they did 930,000. They had a 22% of all COVID tests were positive in Spain. 22% of those tested were positive in Spain. Spain has 47 million people. So that equates to about 10 million cases. If we extrapolate the data as we've been doing with every state, gives us about 10 million cases. How many died in Spain? 21,282 out of 47 million. You have a zero, a 0.05 chance of dying from COVID as a citizen of Spain and a 90% chance of recovery from COVID without being on a vent, without being in a hospital. Okay, so he said without being on a ventilator, without having uh, those types of very invasive interventions, your chance of survival is excellent. In Spain, which is right now number two in deaths, and as he said, a race we don't want to win, <laughs> but we want to understand what we're up against. But more importantly, what do we need to do at this stage? So let's go right back to this. I wanted to compare the U.S. to Spain because we're the two, we, have the two, we have the most amount of cases globally. So I, I thought that was important. And then when you, when you bring up a system of lockdown, you automatically have to compare it to a system of no lockdown, Sweden and Norway. I'm, I'm Norwegian. Norway has lockdown. Norway has lockdown. Sweden does not have lockdown. What happened in those two countries? Are they vastly different? Did Sweden have a massive outbreak of cases? Did Norway have nothing? Let's look at the numbers. Sweden. Sweden has 15,322 cases of COVID. Uh, they, have, they did 74,600 tests, which is 21%, similar to the other countries, 21% of all those tested came out positive for COVID. What's the population of Sweden? About 10.4 million. Uh, so if we extrapolate out the data, about 2 million cases of COVID in Sweden. They did a little bit of social distancing. They would wear masks and separate. They went to schools. Stores were open. They were almost about their normal daily life with a little bit of social distancing. They had how many deaths? 1,765. California's had 1,220 with isolation. No isolation, 1,765. We have more people. What I'm getting at is millions of cases, very small death. Millions of cases, very small death. This is what we're seeing everywhere. Millions of cases, very small number of deaths. So do you understand that 
the chance that the body's own immune system, our own God-given immune system, has the ability to protect us with or without isolation. And he mentioned, oh, that basically they went to schools, they, they didn't shut down in Sweden. Uh, we shut down everything. I mean, just absolutely everything. Now uh, we have to make a turning point, and let's let's be clear because I'm going to cut back to this because I think it's a very important segment uh, that Dr. Dan uh, Erickson has brought up. But I want to cut away to a very exciting medical journal. You can search it yourself. Here it is on a National Institute of Health uh, search. Uh, I hope you can see that clearly. Total viruses and bacteria concentration in indoor and outdoor air. And I'm going to just give you through, there's over 60 medical journal references. I studied it. I referenced this. It shows a comparison of outdoor viral load to bacterial load, and we get a virus to bacterial ratio. Why is that important? Because when you compare classroom, daycare, dining out at facilities, at health centers, at various houses, even they compared the Caribbean to Korea to Virginia. And this is the first study of its type that actually analyzes the potential exposure. And again, here's over 60 medical journals, including this one uh, the by, uh, by Griffin. EA Africa Desert Dust in the Caribbean Atmosphere, Microbiology and Public Health. So African Desert Dust compared to the Caribbean Atmosphere. Caribbean's certainly a lot cleaner, fresh fresh air out near the ocean. Here, let's, let's go to the summary that I spent a good amount of time summarizing for you. And you can look these things up. Uh, they'll be in the show notes if you request, uh, and certainly in my new book coming out on eating for immunity and the whole idea of lifestyle medicine and anti-aging and, and uh, how we go about this. But let, let's cut back away here to this. Let me just uh, bring this up. Here we go. Uh, I, I, what I did was I highlighted, highlighted um, the key salient points here so we can just cut right away. Uh, we, we just heard from Dr. Dan William Erickson, M.D., uh, in the essentially in the Bakersfield area, and uh, where they've done the most amount of tests up towards um, middle or northern California area, Marin County, I believe it is, Madera Community Hospital is where he's affiliated. Uh, Stephen Allen Washington uh, was was on this board as well in this report to the general media, family medicine, emergency medicine. Uh, but here, here's the journal reference I, I just highlighted from Environ Science Technology Letter 2015. And uh, here's what we find. Outdoors, there are viral activity, and compared to indoor bacteria, it turns out that if we look at this here, I just wanted to be very accurate about it. The, uh, that is, Blacksburg, Virginia, has 7% higher levels of outdoor viral to bacterial ratio Caribbean is 58% lower than Korea. And so we're looking here that the worldwide comparison, and by the way, this is a study comparing indoor and outdoor. Now, because viruses have a smaller size, their ability to remain airborne longer than bacteria exists. Now, the, we humans carry 10 to the 12th uh, microbial concentration in our epidermis, the skin. And we have 
10 to the 14th uh, microbes in the alimentary tract, the digestive tract. Now, when you look up 10 to the 12th, 10 to the 14th, those of you who are fans of, of, of science and math and physics, you realize we're talking, you know, literally, uh, what is that, billions of, of microbes. The, so let, let's go further now. We know that indoors can be appropriate if it has a proper uh, clearing system. Humans inhale 60 to 60,000 fungal spores daily, depending on the mold, uh, mold areas that they're living in indoors. Well, that's yucky and scary. And exposure to these fungal spores is associated with asthma, respiratory problems, nasal congestion. Now, I want you to see this. I have literally right next to me this uh, Valera Airfresh, and it's, it's doing ionization, which is kind of like lightning bolts. And these ions drop all the particles in the air. So these things you breathe, the viruses, the bacteria, the fungal spores, drop out of the air and to the ground, which is safe there as compared to, I mean, unless you get on the ground and, and, and you, you start licking it. But, but, the, but the point is, this, this, this device sitting next to me cleanses 3,000 square foot home. I have one upstairs, and then I take it with me downstairs. There's a two-level here at, my, at the office I'm at in Costa Mesa, California. And at home, I have two, two levels, upstairs and downstairs. And I, again, bring it downstairs or upstairs. I actually have another device downstairs now. I think this is really important. I've noticed in my young, my young children and my grown children, if they get a cold or flu or you know something's going on with them, then uh, essentially... I make sure that this device is nearby, plus it has uh, this like infrared thing that's knocking out bacteria as well. And this, this, this is like being up in Mount Everest, fresh air. Now, another question comes up too, and that is, you know, what do you do when, it, uh, when we look at these particle sizes of classrooms, dining area, and outdoors, once again? So what we know is that when you use this kind of a device, it eliminates smoke, odors, tobacco, chemical odors, kills mold, mildew, fungi, bacteria. But with viruses, it doesn't kill them because essentially they're not alive. They're, they're genetic material that has to and can only come alive if they're hosted in your body. We have trillions of viruses in our bacteria, 10 times more uh, viruses than we do have bacteria. And we have as much or more bacteria as we do human cells. So believe it or not, we actually have by concentration more viruses in our body, naturally, regardless from the get-go. But we don't want to add to that viral load and we don't want to add it into a person who doesn't understand how to build up the immune system. And so we're going to talk about that um, in more depth. But so what we're, again, going through here is... If, if you have symptoms like coughing, sneezing, watery eyes, sound familiar to COVID-19? Yeah, you, you know, your body can be kind of overrun. So you get these what's called superoxide ions, and essentially it's a derivative of hydrogen peroxide, and it, it, it basically negative charge ions removes these microscopic particles from the air we breathe, harmful airborne pollutants. Yeah. 
gosh, it's, it's so important. I, I've had one for years, and I want to support my immune system, my white cells, my red cells, um, to eat up these bacteria. That in, inevitably, it's kind of like putting in a bunch of garbage cans and exiting them out of the body. But you don't want to add more load, right? So let, let's go back. I, I think uh, now that I'm quoting these studies, this one, uh, again, total virus and bacteria concentration indoor and outdoor. So the answer is that the um, indoor concentration, actually the outdoor bacterial viral concentration can be higher than indoor, but it depends on your indoor living condition. Do you have a, a Valera uh, Air Fresh? Or, or do you have just a normal air filter with a HEPA filter? Now, I have both. HEPA filters, you have to keep changing the filter. With this device, you don't change the filter ever. It just ionizes and drops these negative ions, drops these particles out of the air. Isn't that exciting? Okay, so I wanted you to get clarity about this. Now, let's let's go back to uh, Dr. Dan. Uh, uh, here we go. Norway, it's next door neighbor. This is where I come from. These are two Scandinavian nations. We can compare them as they are similar. Let's look at the data. Norway, 7,191 cases of COVID. Total COVID tests, 145,279. So they came up with 4.9% of all COVID tests were positive in Norway. Population in Norway, 5.4 million. So if we extrapolate the data as we've been doing, which is the best we can do at this point, they have about 1.3 million cases. Now their deaths as a total number were 182, fairly small but statistically insignificant from 1,700, you realize. Millions of cases, small amount of deaths. 1,700, 100, these are statistically insignificant. So you have a 0.003 chance of death as a citizen of Norway and a 97% recovery. Their numbers are a little bit better. Does it necessitate shutdown, loss of jobs, destruction of the oil company, furloughing doctors? That's the question I have for you. I think the answer is going to be increasingly clear as we move through this data. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is uh, the effects of COVID-19, the secondary effects. COVID-19 is one aspect of our health sector. What has it caused to have us be involved in social isolation? What has it, it caused um, that, the, that we are seeing the community respond to? Child molestation is increasing at a severe rate. We could go over multiple cases of children who have been molested due to angry family members who are intoxicated, who are home, who have no paycheck. These things last a lifetime. This isn't about a seasonal flu. These are things that will follow these people and affect them in a negative fashion for their life. And these are secondary effects from COVID. And these are from me talking to ERs, talking to my doctors, and talking to people across the country and finding out what they're seeing. Spousal abuse. We see people coming in here with black eyes and cuts on their face. It's an obvious abuse of case. These are things that will affect them for a lifetime, not for a season. Alcoholism, anxiety, depression, suicide. I talked to uh, the, the, the um, Don Youngblood and various people in the community. I've asked them, how are things going? Suicide is spiking. Education is dropped off. Economic collapse. Medical industry, we're all suffering because our staff isn't here and we have no volume. These are all real things that I'm seeing every day. I don't, I don't read about this stuff. I'm seeing it in my clinics. We have clinics from Fresno to San Diego, and these things are spiking in our community. These things will affect people for a lifetime, not for a season. So let's, let's make sure we're clear on that. So we've gone over the secondary effects. 
Okay, so what he's making clear is by quarantine, isolation, jamming people in, in, into small homes instead of letting them go out and be out and about, it's causing a higher rate of rape, of, of, of battering, uh, uh, abuse, and uh, conditions where suicidal attempts and just horrific type things when people are not being allowed to function as people. Granted, we need NLP, timeline therapy, interventions, uh, psychological support, and better, all these trillions of dollars being spent on masks and, and, and devices, and ventilators, when we need love and society and contribution and learning how society and the immune system works. So let's think about more about what we can do to get back to society. Let's go back to Dr. Dan's uh, discourse here. We've gone over the statistics. Now I want to compare flu virus. Is this significantly different? And I just got a little bit of data here. Um, so deaths uh, per the CDC, 24,000 to 62,000 deaths each year. Um, we get about, we had uh, about 45 million total cases in 2017 with about 62,000 deaths, or a 0.13 chance of death from flu in the United States. As you know, our other numbers were 0.02. So the lethality of, of COVID-19 is much less. Now you've got hotbeds of it in New York, but again, we went over the numbers, 0.1% chance of death. Widespread, small amount of deaths. It's similar to flu, as a matter of fact. If we follow the science, as we've been asked to do, I'm following the science. This data is generated by the CDC, World Health Organization. The testing is generated by what we have done here. So we are following the science. Now I want to talk about the immune system. Wow. We're following the science, not the hyped-up media that has everyone hysterical, driven to do things that people normally not in a fear state would do. But now he's going to cover my area. This is the real science. How does the body build immunity? How does your white blood cells see these little things move around up here? These little like uh, spherical things, those are bacteria. And th these whites, see that thing streaming right up there? Here we go. Look, look at the top. Your body's teeming with these things. Look at that right up there at the top. You see it? Right there, right there. You see that? Your body's teeming naturally. Look at that right there. Spiral, spiral keys. There's, there's, there's every kind, E. coli, salmonella. Your body has learned from eons of how to live and here, here's one right here now what is this this is a swab inside the teeth lining the gums the teeth lining when you look in the blood you don't see quite as much bacteria moving around but there's white blood cells there's red blood cells see see these things teeming by look at that okay so let's now get to the real fact of how do you build a very powerful strong immune system like this here let's let's cut away Dr. Dan, I think you're going to appreciate this, guys. Here we go. Uh, Dr. Masihi used to teach for immunology. We both had years of microbiology, biochemistry, and virology studies 
We've made it our life's work to understand this stuff. And here, I'd like to go over some basic things about how the immune system functions so people have a good understanding. The immune system is built by exposure to antigens, viruses, bacteria. When you're a little child crawling on the ground, putting stuff in your mouth, viruses and bacteria come in, you form an antigen antibody complex, you form IgG, IgM, this is how your immune system is built. You don't take a small child, put them in bubble wrap in a room and say, go have a healthy immune system. This is immunology, microbiology 101. Okay, guys, I, I hope you're getting this very clear. He's saying you don't put a kid in a saran wrap and just put them in the corner and protect them from all the environmental things. No, the body is exposed. The white blood cells, the immune system, IgG, IgA, IgM, all these things require exposure to get stronger, better. Just like exercise. you got to exercise every day to get stronger and better. If you don't exercise for just three days, your muscles start to atrophy. Did you know that? Your muscles atrophy within three days if you don't exercise. And most of you in isolation, you're doing far less exercise than normal. Let's go back to, um, again, uh, to the, the screen here. Dr. Dan Erickson. Here we go. This is not something, this is the basis of what we've known for years. Um, so what I'm seeing is when you take human beings and you say, go into your house, clean all your counters, Lysol them down, you're going to kill 99% of viruses and bacteria, wear a mask, don't go outside. What does it do to our immune system? Our immune system is used to touching. We share bacteria, staphylococcal, streptococcal bacteria, viruses. We develop an immune response daily to this stuff. When you take that away from me, my immune system drops. As I shelter in place, my immune system drops. Okay, when you take that away, my immune system drops. When you can't touch and be exposed to viruses and bacteria, it's like a weak muscle. It, it gets weaker. Your immune system's getting weaker during this isolation. That's the key point that he's making. Please pay attention. This is critical, this part. You keep me there for months, it drops more. And now I'm at home hand-washing vigorously, washing the counters, worried about things that are indeed what I need to survive. Let's follow the science. Worried about things I need to survive. He says, this obsessive cleaning of counters and hands and, and isolating everyone, that is causing us to have a weak immune system. That's, that's immunology 101. Every good scientist and doctor knows this. Why is Fauci ignoring this? Why, aren't, why is the media teaching this? Why are you all isolated? Let's go further. I don't think he touches on the politics, nor will I. But let's get to the facts. This is immunology, folks. This is microbiology. This is what we've combined together. We have 40 years of experience in this. They have 40 years of experience. I have 43 years of experience of looking under the microscope of tens of thousands of individuals and understanding the power of the immune system. I've seen declines in white blood cell activity, serious declines in people who are isolated that I'm examining each week. And it's terrifying to me because that is not the core of how the immune system works. So let's, let's go back to this here. So he's really making it clear. He's driving it home. This is common sense immunology. So quarantining and social distancing is worse for us, you're saying? It decreases your immune system. 
You, you can't build an immune system by, if, if someone has a, a reduced immune system, you, you hide them away because they can't build an immune system. If you have a normal functioning immune system, you need interaction. The, the, when a child's in a womb, you're in this protected environment. When you come out, you have almost no immune system. You develop that through touching your mouth, touching your eyes, virus, bacteria, virus, bacteria, immune response, IgG, IgM. This is how you build a strong immune system. Virus, bacteria, virus, bacteria. This is how you build a strong immune system. Touching, feeling, kissing, being exposed, being coughed on, walking around. Well, you know when a human's in the same environment with you, they generate 37 million additional uh, bacterial concentrations in the air already. But we're exposed to trillions within the body during the course of week after week. That's how we have evolved to handle and have a powerful immune system. Let's go back and understand the full picture now. You think people are worrying too much? Of course they are, but that's, that's from media telling them to. I am telling them sheltering in place decreases your immune system. And then as we all come out of shelter in place with a lower immune system and start trading viruses, bacteria, what do you think is going to happen? Disease is going to spike. And then you've got disease spike amongst a hospital system with furloughed doctors and nurses. This is not the combination we want to set up for a healthy society. It doesn't make any sense. Wow. Okay, so if that isn't convincing enough from really frontline medical doctors working in emergency medicine, testing over 5,000 people in Northern California, reporting these facts to the press who's trying to kind of throw him off track, which he's not. He's not wavering at all. Let, we're going to come back to Dr. Don, uh, Dan, uh, excuse me, uh, Erickson and uh, COVID-19. Uh, I'm, I'm going to continue to explain to you, but there are herbs that build up the immune system. There's lifestyle factors that build up the immune system. Let, let's, let's come right to, to this, this full, six, uh, full circle approach and what we're teaching here. Here, let's, let, let me get back to go yeah okay so we do have an online course i wanted to report but remember the wall street journal's reporting new data suggests that coronavirus isn't deadly as we thought a study finds 50 to 85 times as many infections as known cases meaning a far lower fatality rate this is this is getting out into the general press so people are starting to want to know the facts. What is going on? Why is this happening? Well, I'm not going to get into politics like I promised you. I, I said I won't. I've got these summaries that uh, I'm going through here, but let's let's come back into this space here. What about Dr. David Katz's interview with Dr. And it David really begins with each of the viewers learning and embracing and studying this. But, you know, I, I think there's a lot of myths when we talk about, say, the superiority of animal protein versus plant-based. And I'm coming out with a topic and lecture on the superiority of plant-based mm. proteins versus animal. Address that for a moment. Well, I think... Everybody paying close attention to the world of nutrition and health rallies around Michael Pollan's pithy quote, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. 
there's a group, the paleo diet advocates, for example, you know, who maybe push back on the mostly plant part. But the simple reality is, even if there is really good animal protein, and it, and it basically, if we are what we eat, what we eat is what it eats. Yes. So you really can't compare venison and antelope to grain-fed cattle that are you know raised in, in some small right. space. It's totally right. different, right? So there may be healthy animal protein, but there are more than seven billion of us on the planet. Right. We, we can't all be hunter-gatherers. Right. We're not all going to eat venison. We're just not. So there is an argument for the environment, for ethics, as well as for human health. Yes. To air, if you're going to err, err on the side of eating mostly plants. Right. And then, yes, you could be a vegan and get optimal protein, and all of the evidence we have suggests that that's maybe the best we can do. It's mm -hmm. certainly dramatically better than how most people are eating today. Yes. And one of the blue zones is the population of Seventh-day Adventists in Loma Linda, California. So there's a population yes. that's consistently vegan. They routinely live to be about 100, and they're healthier than the rest of us. Lots of studies show the benefits of vegetarian and, and plant-based eating. So, you know, I think there are variants on the theme, the Mediterranean diet. Mm -hmm. Also extremely healthy. There's a blue zone in Icaria, Greece. There's a blue zone in Sardinia, Italy. They're not vegans there, mm -hmm. but they still eat mostly plants. So right. a very strong argument for right. going and in that Okinawa. direction. And Okinawa, I mean, and Okinawa, they they're, they're not vegans either. But, it's mostly, uh, but it's mostly plants everywhere. Okay, so you guys get that. Mostly plants everywhere in the studies. But let's let's jump to uh, this here uh, with Bill if not all, infectious diseases are zoonotic, meaning they start in animals and jump to humans. AIDS likely came from primates. Someone butchered a monkey or fucked one or something they shouldn't have been doing with a monkey. Mad cow came from cattle, eating cattle, which is like feeding a chicken an omelet. Just two weeks ago, a fatal strain of bird flu was confirmed in a commercial turkey flock in South Carolina. Now, to thwart the coronavirus, we've been told to create distance, avoid others who are sick, lower stress, and exercise. Are you surprised that diseases flourish among animals when they're forced to live in conditions that are the complete opposite of all of that? They're on top of each other, they can't move, they're stressed out. I've seen airports treat luggage better than we treat animals. Egg-laying hens are starved and given no water for weeks to shock their bodies into molting. Beaks of chickens are removed. I could go on. Have you ever driven by a high-density feedlot? Yeesh. To get relief from the stench, you have to stick your nose in an egg salad sandwich. If you think the market in Wuhan is gross, you should visit one of our giant poultry processing factories. But of course you can't, because we have ag-gag laws that make it a crime to report the crime. And it is a crime of animal abuse that goes on in our food industry. You're worried that the mailman has coronavirus? 80% of pigs have pneumonia when they're slaughtered because we make them live in conditions that would make a zombie vomit. 80% of pigs have the pneumonia virus and you're eating pork? carnitas tacos, whatever form you eat them, it's pork. We know that HPV, there's a clinical study now showing that HPV uh, can develop from the consumption of pork in men and women. We know that, sure, these things are contagious, but in these feedlot conditions, we have very, very dangerous situations. 
the transmission, guys, is coming from animal product. This is on an HBO uh, report here. New rule, Americans wet market. Let's go a little bit further. And then, so they don't die before we kill them, pump them full of antibiotics that in turn get passed on to humans. That They're using antibiotics, as he points out, that now we have drug resistance to these antibiotics. We have, they're less effective because we use more antibiotics in animals than we do on the, uh, in the human application within hospitals where it might be appropriate. So let's go further. That in turn leads to antibiotic-resistant diseases. That in turn leads to us dying from ever-evolving contagions. It's six degrees of tainted bacon. We're on the cusp of returning to a pre-antibiotic era where strep throat was a death sentence. Let me put it as basically as I can. If we keep producing food the way we do, you're going to get sick with something medicine cannot fix. You don't have to care for the sake of the animals. I wouldn't want to mess with anyone's reputation as a heartless asshole. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, the point we're making here is what is going on in the world and why are we so accepting because of lobbyists and drug laws. Let's go back to David Katz and a, a brief interview with uh, Bill here. here. Here we go. I wrote my op-ed. Tom Friedman wrote a column channeling mine, ran it up a high flagpole, and then a who's who in public health and economics found me, and we've been working together ever since. And so some of these risk models basically show, you know, essentially what flattening the curve does is keeps people away from one another and away from the virus. So the virus doesn't spread, but you also don't cultivate any immunity. If you do a really effective job of locking everybody in place and preventing viral transmission, there's still some low level potential for viral exposure out in the world, but very few of us get that exposure. The minute you release those clamps and let people back into the world, we're all vulnerable. So most of the models suggest that flattening the curve makes sense in phase one so you don't overwhelm medical systems, for example. But you've got to have a phase two. If you don't transition to a phase two, whenever you release the clamps, the virus is out in the world waiting for you. Everybody's vulnerable. And that big peak in cases and that big peak in deaths that you were trying to avoid really just happens at a later date. So you would be suggesting something more like what Sweden is doing. Uh, Sweden, we know, has kept open its schools. You can go to a bar, you can go to a restaurant and get your hair cut. Uh, they haven't had numbers that are that different uh, from countries that have locked down. How do you uh, sum up that? Yeah, so, so let, let me start, Bill, by saying essentially what I reject, because I think we're a very polarized society. I think the way media hype things up actually amplifies the extremes. So at one extreme, we've got the, you know, lock everything down, hunker in a bunker until A, there's a vaccine 18 months or years or whenever, B, forever, or C, you die of something else, whichever comes first. That, that's just horrible. It's, it's inhumane, makes no sense. But at the other extreme, we've got the liberate blank, fill in the name of the state, which is basically, you know, everybody in the water, including grandma, and never mind the riptides and the sharks and, you know, every man for himself. That's also absurd. So in the middle, what you do is you... I think, I mean, think about what he's saying. That's absurd. What he's saying is 
don't forget public health matters, clean water, clean air, using devices, making sure, I mean, you practice normal cleanliness. Of course, we understand that. We're, what he's saying is it doesn't make sense, though, to completely isolate us because the example is Sweden and so forth, but he's also uh, giving some sensibility here. So let's go. Identify who is at risk of a severe case of this infection and who's not. Who is at risk of dying of this at a, you know, at a pretty high frequency and who is at extremely low risk? So this is just like risks we take every day. Yeah, some young people will die of this, but sadly, tragically, some young people die crossing the street or, or in a car crash every day. There are risks we willingly take on every day. Sweden's approach is a little too close to the everybody in the water, don't worry about the riptide end of the spectrum for, for my taste. I think we can do even better. We can kind of look around the world and say, okay, if you don't lock this down at all, if you don't protect the vulnerable, mortality in Sweden does look to me to be higher. Okay, so th the point is that he is agreeing that we would isolate like leper colonies, isolate the weak, the already sick. They're already at risk. But don't lock down the healthy because their immune system declines and they have a common thread. Which cultures are the healthiest, strongest that handle infectious diseases? Typically Okinawa, Japan, and so forth. It's interesting. So, so let's, let's, let's jump back into, here we go. Um, let's go back into to, to the idea that we as individuals are, how shall I say, at greatest risk when we don't take advantage uh, of what we know to be very, very important. So here, here's, um, I think, a good cutaway. Uh, I wanted to segue to a positive note that there are several herbs and nutrients that build up the immune system that have been known about for centuries. How many out there are using colloidal silver, well known to fight viruses, even hepatitis C virus? How many are using elderberry, echinacea? You've heard of echinacea. I use it in some formulas that we've worked up that are quite amazing in the adrenal immune support. Garlic, for sure. Some of my doctor friends call it, oh, the garlic pill, because they can smell the garlic, which is antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal. Especially effective when you chew raw garlic with your foods. Green tea is helpful for building up the immune system. Licorice, oh my gosh, just amazing uh, activity against viral strains. Uh, olive leaf, yes, against influenza, herpes, polio, podoarch, St. John's wort. These are all part of a pack that I've put together here. I just uh, didn't want to divert too much, but definitely check out Adrenal Immune Support. Check it out. It's going to make a big difference, guys. Big difference. And you think it's a laughing matter? I don't. I think life and death is important and it's precious, but we got to get back to the basics to understand what are we going to do to make these changes now and how can we save people? Let's, let's go back to Dan Erickson here. We'll wind up shortly. Got you wrong then when he says that COVID nineteen is shown to be nearly ten times deadlier than the flu. 
Initially, initially, maybe that was true. But again, I'm going through the numbers. I'm not saying who's wrong or right. I'm going through the science and through the numbers. And I, like you, have been watching media and studying this for two months, night and day. I go to bed at 2 or 3 in the morning every day. I read after my shift, and I say, what's going on here? I'm not, a, I'm not in an ivory tower. I'm in seeing patients every day, and I'm collecting my own data. I didn't have data two months ago. I just... I'm seeing clients and looking under a microscope at their immune system, seeing what changes occur over a 43-year period. You know, when I was younger, I somehow thought one day I would be the one who would figure out the best way to defend our, our bodies against cancer. So the immune system plays a big role in our fight against cancer. Far more people are dying from cancer than COVID-19. Far more people, 10 times more, dying from heart disease and diabetes and the 10 leading causes of death. COVID-19 is a problem, but it's a problem of the immune system, not understanding the immune system. And this is why I like uh, Dan Erickson's, uh, Dr. Erickson. Shared my data, 6.5% of all patients we tested are positive. That's actual, unfiltered, non-political data. So respectfully, to uh, go off that question, and I know you guys are obviously very intelligent, very accomplished physicians, do you think that you guys know more than the top immunologists in the entire United States and that basically every country in the world has got this wrong, that celebrated urgent care has got this right? I'm not saying, again, I'm sharing the data. I'm not right. saying there, we're right, somebody's wrong. Your conclusions from that data are different than what the top doctors worldwide are concluding. Why is that? Why they had no data. It, the, data, the data is coming the in. Organization, the, the U.S. government has no data. No, I'm saying you, you have to give the virus time. In, from December to now, there was tons of hypotheses. You have to let the data work. Let the, let the virus rise up. Then we study it and we see, did we respond appropriately? Initially, the response, fine. Shut it. So that's the point. Fauci uh, is not getting back to the data that's been mentioned here um, in this whole fight against the coronavirus. He is sticking to the prior assumptions, and that's where uh, Dr. Erickson, who's an emergency medicine specialist, who's tested over 5,000 people himself, and also, as he said, he studies late at night. I, I spend endless hours during this scourge to figure out how we can help people. So let's, let's go back to Dr. Erickson here. It down. But as the data comes across and we say, now wait a second, we've never ever responded like this in the history of the country. Why are we doing this now? And you don't think that they're also studying that data and that their data is even more accurate and more timely than what we're getting here in Kern County? Yeah, I mean, yeah. What was your first name? Tim. Tim. So I need my Oh, sorry. Thank, thank you for your question. I think your question is valid and uh, Obviously, Dr. Fauci is a world-renowned immunologist, and a lot of the data that they originally gave us was um, theoretical, because coronavirus is a new virus. We've studied coronavirus since the 70s. Coronavirus was... Um, We've studied different coronaviruses. This one is novel. Like SARS is a form of coronavirus, MERS is a form of coronavirus. Sure, sure. We've studied different times, but this one is new. So with all due respect, again, we haven't studied this time. But if you let me finish. Um, <laughs> so every year, according to your argument that you just made, every year... My, my argument is a question. Every, every year when we get the flu, it's a new flu virus, correct? Correct. But 99% of it is flu, correct? 
the way viruses change, they undergo mutations through their DNA, deoxyribonucleic acid. There are different types of mutations which either cause increased virulence and more likely decreased virulence, meaning virulence meaning how uh, dangerous a virus is. So when coronavirus was, we, we've been studying coronavirus since the 70s. And this, 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 this uh, type of coronavirus that came out was first and foremost transmissible through, through human beings, and that was new. And I think any time you have something new in the medical community, I've been a doctor for 26 years, any time you, 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 you have something new in the, community, the medical community, it, it sparks fear. And doctor, I would have done what Dr. Fauci did, so we both would have initially. Because the first thing you do is you want to make sure you limit liability and limit deaths. And I think what they did was brilliant initially. But, you know, looking at theories and models, which is what these folks use, is very different than the way the actual virus presents itself throughout communities. And there's different communities we're talking about here. Bakersfield, a lot more widespread than Manhattan. Very, very different. So you can't really... Um, theory and reality are not always the same, and that's what Dr. Erickson is presenting. It's not about being right or wrong. Medicine, the, what they teach us is you practice medicine. I'm learning every day, so is Dr. Erickson. We, we all learn every day. It's not about being right, who's right, who's wrong. It's not a basketball game, who made the basket, who didn't. It's about looking at trends and saying, hey, we're not seeing what they've been, what they've been talking about for the past six to eight weeks, we've crippled the economy. There's a lot of domestic issues going on. Is social isolation warranted for the healthy? So, I, I, again, I understand that you guys are seeing different, uh, drawing different conclusions from the same data. Why is that? That's my because, question. Because we're actually seeing the patients. Dr. Fauci hasn't seen a patient for 20 years. I'm just saying, but I'm just saying, it's in general, a lot of the figureheads are not it's like the, uh, the general contractor versus the sub. He's not seeing patients. He's in an ivory tower. And we have a world of respect for him as a world-renowned immunologist. Two different things. He's an academic. We've dealt with academics all of our life. I, I did surgery at USC and Loma Linda. All academics. But academics and reality is two different things. Two different things. So we're just presenting our data and our opinion as medical professionals in this community. I was going to say, so you're not necessarily talking about a community in Manhattan, which obviously is... Well, we don't, we, we haven't, I haven't, I haven't been to Manhattan for 20 years, right? Yeah. So, let me ask this, so, I mean, it, it, your professional expertise, both of you guys, very, you know, prominent here in the community, um, why do you think we are taking these measures? Why do you think that, let's, Governor Gavin Newsom, why do you think he's taking these measures to have California being on a strict shutdown right now? Well, again, as a, as a leader, you listen to the people around you, and they make decisions on different timelines. And so Gavin Newsom has people around him telling him, we think this is the best move for now. And then I, early on, we, we told people the truth changes every two hours, because it was. As the data moves, as we do our own testing, I'm giving a different answer now than I would a month ago, because I understand the progression of disease in this area. I also understand the progression of disease elsewhere, because I look at their data. I don't have to live in Manhattan to, to watch their disease process, to watch how many positives in the community, and to understand how diseases spread. For instance, nobody talks about the fact that coronavirus lives on plastics for three days, and we're all sheltering in place. Where'd you get your water bottles from? 
Costco. Where'd you get that plastic shovel from, Home Depot? Those are fomites and carriers of disease. So you take your family sheltering in a place that you think is safe, and you're taking fomites with disease that they've shown that last three days. Are you really protecting yourself from COVID? Does that make sense to you? It doesn't make sense to me. And if I swabbed things in your home, I would likely find COVID-19. And so you think you're protected, but you've got fomites coming from, you know, Home Depot and Lowe's. And it's okay for us to be mingling in those situations, but we have to not go to work. Okay, so those of you who don't understand, fomites are the exposure where viruses, which are on like the surface of your of your phone they're 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 on paper they're on uh, items you pick up at home depot or the grocery store they're everywhere every time you breathe you take in a hundred million viruses and bacteria and it's mixed up too it's all mixed up when you go back to this this study he, he's saying he's making it very clear to you when we go back to this study here i, I want you to see this here uh even in the medical literature here uh again this i'm going to cut back to this total viruses and bacteria concentration indoor and outdoor air this is uh pub um that is National Institute of Health, uh, and it's published in Environment Science Technology, one of the best publications I read in my searches. Over 60 medical journals referencing where in the classroom, daycare center, dining facility, healthcare center, housing. In your house, it's loaded with viruses and bacteria, not just outdoors, not just coming in contact with people. Guys, get a clue. Look, look, here, here's my summary. Uh, Dr. William Erickson, Stephen Allen Washington. Um, I, I wanted to bring up this point here because this, this conclusion uh, here, I, I wanted to get into this conclusion that, that the, the particles, that it's very hard to identify specifically where these particles concentrate. Um, so, they're using fluorescent microscopy. Guess what? What do you think I'm using right here in my own office? Every day I'm looking through a microscope. Literally every day of the week. Look at that microbe right there. Do you see that? What the heck is that? That is in your body every day of the week. I can show you on any given human who walks in my office, whether you've been isolated or not, I'm going to show you viruses and bacteria. Now, viruses are 10 times smaller than bacteria, but I'm going to be able to show you bacteria. And oftentimes, bacteria are far more virulent and dangerous. In fact, viruses sometimes can in, uh, invade a bacteria and uh, stop pneumonia bacteria. Uh, there are actually good viruses. But I, I wanted to scroll down here a little bit more, um, the overall discussion. Uh, the virus to bacteria ratio indoor environment uh, varies compared to you know the samples and the samples depended on what devices what what clean devices are used to help to keep the environment safe so you've got to learn how to build up the immune system not in a vacuum not in an isolated situation no you've got to learn what to do and how to move away 
from animal-based foods and go to a plant-based diet. Start using these herbs. And uh, here, I was going to show you. I've got a lot of people in the show notes asking me where, where do they get these products at. Just go to docnutrients.com forward slash secret. Go to docnutrients.com forward slash secret. And you're going to see some really impressive um, offers. And we have a webinar coming up. I'd like you to register, by the way, at nickdelgado.com. That's uh, nickdelgado.com. Please register today. And in in several days, we're going to have another breakthrough session with everyone. So you're going to learn exactly what I do to build up my immune system, why my immune system is so amazing. And I'm showing it right here on a TV screen. Show me a doctor that shows me their immune system. You know, I've tested tens of thousands of doctors over the course of my 43-year career. And I can tell you for a fact, they lean forward when I show them their blood. And they want to know, how do you actually go about using colloidal silver, herbs, uh, propping up the adrenal system? What do you do to get the body at its peak state with the right kind of exercise, the correct amount of sleep how do you time the factors of emotion and love compared to anger and hurt and fear that the media is causing you're going to learn all this and more at nickdelgado.com that's nickdelgado.com just register and uh, we're excited about sharing this with you there's a hormone quiz there there's personal coaching there's live stream which actually i could click on this and probably show you the live stream right now because i'm live right now see there you go right now we're live guys so uh, hey I'm here to help you and to guide you. I'm your guide. I'm not playing your doctor. So let's go back to Dr. Erickson because I think he makes some incredibly salient points. It's okay for us to go to Costco, but not to church. Do do you see the lack of consistency here? From a a microbiological, immunological standpoint, that doesn't make sense. If you're going to isolate people, you need to shut these all down because that's how the fomites are being transferred. When you go to Del Taco and you get a plastic bag or piece on your burrito from someone not wearing a mask who is just wiping their arm on your thing, do you think you're protected from COVID? Yeah, I was <laughs> driving through. It's the only thing open. Del Taco, and I get the plant-based uh, taco, plant-based uh, burrito. Um, certainly, uh, most of the time, though, I'm, I'm preparing uh, fresh beans and fruits and vegetables. By the way, I, I want you to see um, here what, while he's talking a little bit further, because I, I just wanted you to see, because you know, I, I carry these fresh foods with me. I literally carry them with me here. Here, check this out. So I made these potatoes with fresh spices with a Breville oven, oil-free. This is what I'm nibbling on during the show while I'm sharing with you. I've got some fresh uh, guacamole here from uh, Mother's Market, our our equivalent of Whole Foods, but but healthier than even health foods. Um, I had some Kalamath olives. Um, and of course, olives have some natural essential fatty acids. I've got some uh, hummus here that I'm carrying with me. And, and check this out. I brought in a whole bowl of uh, here of watermelon here. I'm sorry I'm offset here. Let me just show this to you. So, I, you know, I'm literally walking and talking and breathing and eating healthy. Fresh watermelon. Guys, I walk my talk. I'm, I'm working out, exercising during the COVID virus. I'm going to the beach. I'm getting the sun. I'm sleeping as much as possible in between all the calls and nonstop people wanting to get into coaching and learn how we can help you to build your immune system naturally and effectively. And you can do it all by just going to Delgado. Uh, that is nickdelgado.com and we'll direct you to docnutrients.com and whatever uh, area that's 
going to be your need. But let's go back to uh, Dr. Erickson here in summary. When you wear gloves that transfer disease everywhere, those gloves have bacteria all over them. I'm wearing gloves, not helping you. As your mask that you're wearing for days, you touch the outside of it, COVID, and then touch your mouth. This doesn't make any sense. We wear a mask in an acute setting to protect us. We're not wearing masks. Why is that? Because we understand microbiology, we understand immunology, and we want strong immune systems. Did you hear what he said? They're not wearing masks. They are washing hands, they're wearing gloves, but day to day, day in and day out, when they're coming in contact with their patients, they want their immune system strong. They know they've already been exposed. They've tested positive people coming in who have tested positive. They're not afraid of it. They understand that's what is required for the immune system to build up, to be stronger, just like exercise. You start off a little bit fatigued, it's hard, you work out, you go, oh, I don't think I can exercise anymore. Start off slower and gently and build up. So your immune system starts up slowly when you're first born and things you get infected and so forth, but you have an incredible immune system by now. Look at this, this is under a microscope, a drop of blood that's been there for hours. This is how powerful your body is, folks. This is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. So what I want you to do is to understand that we're here to support you. We're here to support you. I'm on live right now streaming because I want you to learn this facts. I want you to get the truth. I don't want to hide in my home, develop a weak immune system, and then come out and get diseased. We have both been in the ER through swine flu and through bird flu. Did we shut down for those? Were, were they much less dangerous than COVID? Is the flu less dangerous than COVID? Let's look at the death rates. No, it's not. They're similar in prevalence and in death rate. So we are saying that our response now, now that we know the facts, it's time to get back to work. It's time to test people. But again, testing gives you a moment in time. Testing tells you, the nasal swab says positive or negative. The blood vial, the tiger top or the finger stick gives you IgG, IgM. IgG being the long-term immunoglobulin we look at for immunity. But again, it's a moment in time. And when someone, what's interesting to me too is when someone dies in this country right now, they're not talking about the high blood pressure, the diabetes, the stroke. They say, did they die from COVID? There's, as you, I, we've been to hundreds of autopsies. You, you don't talk about one thing. You talk about comorbidities. They're vast. I've done autopsies. They're right. It's a person doesn't just die of one single thing. And what he's what he's explaining is these people have heart disease. They're they, they're going to die of heart disease. But oh yeah, they had uh, they had the flu or they had COVID nineteen or whatever other uh, complications. So that by itself is rarely going to kill someone in a healthy immune system. So let's let him continue to explain. Vessels were narrowed. Their lungs were a smoker. COVID was part of it. It is not the reason they died, folks. It is one of many reasons. So to be so simplistic to say that's a COVID death because they have COVID. You know how many people die with pneumonia or people that die from flu? With flu, I should say. It's not from flu. Their, their lungs were compromised by COPD. They had a heart attack two years ago. They have a weakened body. We aren't pressured to test for flu, but ER doctors now, my friends that I talk to say, you know, it's interesting, when I'm, when I'm writing up my death report, I'm being pressured to add COVID. Why is that? Why are we being pressured to add COVID 
to maybe increase the numbers and make it look a little bit worse than it is. Wow. Why are the doctors being pressured to make it like it was COVID-19 that was the only cause of death and ignore all the other complications? Because Americans have the leading cause of death is heart disease, followed by cancer and diabetes and hypertension and, and over 20 different chronic diseases that are largely related to your lifestyle and factors we can control. So what is the agenda? He doesn't get into the politics, nor will I, but let's hear him through. I think so. So this is what I'm hearing from physicians I talked to in Wisconsin, New York, and everywhere. So you think that physicians are being pressured to make the numbers look worse than they are? They're, they're being pressured to add it to their diagnostic list. So, so they're being pressured to add it to their diagnostic list. All right, so I, I want to jump ahead a little bit more uh, because I think it's important that we get real clear about what's going on here in the world and what you need to do to use supplements and herbs and uh, understand the beauty of the immune system and how it functions, guys. It, it, it really is shall I say, one of the most elegant, amazing parts that's so misunderstood by most doctors. And we're here to tell you that this COVID-19 is not something that you should take lightly, but it's not something you should fear. Fear is the enemy of your body and your immune system. Love and compassion and contribution. You know how good you feel when you're in love or happy? And how awful you feel when you're upset and depressed and angry or hurt. That's where timeline therapy comes in. That's where psychology, my undergraduate degrees and my advanced degrees and all the work I've been doing for 43 years, why so many people now are wanting advanced coaching about how to build up their immune system. And guess what? You can simply go to nickdelgado.com and get this information. You can learn about the personalized coaching. You can find out about how our educators and scientists and how many people have gotten incredible results following these programs. Guess what, folks? Your chance now is better than ever to learn how to beat this COVID virus thing. I'm not diagnosing. I'm not making medical claims. But I'm telling you, everything you need to know is right here and more. So I know it's been a little bit of a lengthy process tonight, but I think you needed to hear both sides of the story, not just what the media is saying. And please, folks, trust us. This is what you got to do. You've got to make a decision. And that decision begins with the truth and the facts. Here, let's just do some, some final concluding thoughts and comments. Sure. Who is immunocompromised. Sure. I mean, isn't that part of the reasoning? 25% of patients who have COVID are asymptomatic, which is why we advocate for widespread testing. In order to open the economy, you have to have widespread testing. That's number one, no question about it. But historically, if you look at biblical times, you look at leprosy, mycobacterium leprae, which is the bacteria that causes it. They isolated the sick. They didn't isolate everybody else. So isolating the healthy just doesn't make sense, in our opinion. So you guys think for- All right. I, I think that's the most powerful statement we've heard all night. Isolating the healthy just doesn't make sense. Isolating leprosy or those who are contagious or sick, good. 
put them in isolation or if they're very weak and susceptible, they have heart disease, diabetes, cancer. You say, but wait a minute, Nick, most of the U.S. population does and we better all be walking around with masks. I think we need to deal with it differently. I think you need to learn and wake up and stop letting the media scare you into a forced situation of mandatory drugs and chemicals. That benefits Big Pharma. It doesn't benefit you. So you say, well, Nick, you're, you're talking about supplements and herbs. Yeah, I've been using them and believing in for over 40 years. I understand what and how these herbs and supplements work and why I do these things. And every doctor I know uses these products. Every doctor uses ours and other uh, brands that I'm familiar with that I like. We just advocate some of them we call coaching items, but that's because they're good. Uh, I don't want to duplicate the wheel and offer, but we have courses, including building a strong immune system, online courses about fat loss and fitness, uh, courses about becoming immune to cancer, all of this and more, including blood morphology, microscope. If you ever want to learn how I do these microscope tests and train hundreds of practitioners and educators and doctors, and even uh, our course on mastering love intimacy, because we need more love in our life. We have a lot of stress in society, and we need to come together on this, guys. So this is Dr. Nick Delgado. Be strong, be well. It's been exciting. I wanted to share the best of the best tonight, Saturday night, when normally some of you would be out on a date. I'm here teaching, educating, and guiding. And again, go to register now at nickdelgado.com. And please, please take the hormone quiz. Check out the videos, the personal coaching, and the coming events, the live stream events. And all you got to do, just put your name, your last, first and last name, email address, phone number. If somehow the phone number uh, is international, uh, I'm told it doesn't accept international number, then just go ahead and put the following number, 1-949-720-1554. That's our number, but it'll allow us to at least register. If it sends something, it, it won't, uh, won't affect your test results, okay? All right, guys, Dr. Nick here. Be strong, be well. We've gone over a lot of information. I wish you could just uh, hear the end of this. So please, on these videos that I reviewed, you have the sources I've given to you. Please look them up. Um, the media is trying to uh, distract you from learning this information, but I'm here to share it with you. That's right. Take care. It's all good.